Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Follow us there and follow us here for Pittsburgh's content you will not want to miss. If you love Taylor Swift now and hate reckless driving, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. Your safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Section 5. We have a great show for you today. Tyler Bentley joins us later to talk about uh, the up-and-coming pit defensive line room. I am David. I am joined by my co-host Dylan. Uh, Squid is unable to join us today. Um, he couldn't tell us what he was doing, but apparently it was a matter of national security. Um, so best of luck to him. Uh, Dylan, how are you feeling today? Pretty good. Uh, got a day off work. Um, happy Juneteenth, everyone. Uh, Father's Day yesterday had a little... My first Father's Day that I hosted at my own house. So that was a big step wow. for me in being an adult. But yeah, it's a great day. It's beautiful, sunshine outside. Doesn't really look like it in this room. I don't know why my screen's so dark. But it's it's a beautiful day. And things are, things are going pretty well in the world of pit sports. So I, I can't complain. Yeah, but um, r- real quick, I saw um, your dad rang in Father's Day by helping you take measurements for a deck, and I can think of no things that a father would rather do uh, on Father's Day than like think about lumber and yeah. Well, actually, would work. So, so the first first step of our Father's Day together was we had to finish fixing my fence in my backyard. It had fallen and was leaning so first we put the fence back together so that was step one and upon return like when we were about to walk into the house he has to stop look up and down the house pull out his tape measure and start figuring out how we're going to build a deck off the back of the house so that took up a good bit of the next half hour or so and then after dinner we went back out and we're remeasuring to figure out how it was going to be built so yeah, that, that's my dad in a nutshell. Shell, I can't imagine anything he'd rather be doing on Father's Day than eating a steak and then taking measurements for work that he can do now that he's retired. I really love that for your dad. That's that's a special day right there. Yeah, I don't think the tape measure ever, ever leaves his hip. I love that. Love it. Um, so uh, back to the, the, the world of sports, the world of pit. Um, so in... I've obviously missed the last two weeks because I was on vacation. I, I felt bad. So I um I started doing a lot of research. I wanted to come really prepared this episode to talk about recruitment. Um, we are three quarters of the way through the biggest month of official visits. Um, Pat Narduzzi is, is really doing some magic with blue chip recruits. Um, something we haven't seen during his time at Pitt before. So I did like a ton of digging on on Pitt's current recruits and uh, you know guys that are coming on this upcoming visit and uh, and guys who you know haven't committed yet but they're still working on and they have a real chance at. Um, I was really prepared to uh, talk to you guys about that today, but then the strangest thing happened Friday night. What are you? Referencing? Uh, the head basketball coach for Pitt's biggest rival, um, the much maligned Robert Huggins, as he's referred to in the police report, uh, got pulled over 
uh, about a block from the ongoing Taylor Swift concert on Friday night. Um, and he, he had had a beverage. A couple. Possibly upwards of 30. Yeah. And we broke the news. That is the... <laughs> yeah, right? Like, kind of. Yeah. So, Bob Huggins got a DUI. At the end of the day, that's what happened Friday mm-hmm. night. It was only about a half hour into the concert. So I'm still still questioning whether he was actually leaving the concert. What happened there? Did he just go down the tailgate? So um, I I have some thoughts. Uh, did you read the, the police report? I, I know the general gist of it. Yes. Yeah, so I, I read the police report and I spoke to a, uh, a cop buddy of ours. Um, who was able to kind of give me a little bit more context on it. Uh, He said it was especially detailed because they knew it would end up in the press. So basically, Bob Huggins, to to paint the full picture, Bob Huggins was driving around the North Shore with a blown-out tire. Right. And was just, like, stopped in the middle of the road. And there was an increased police presence because there were hundreds of thousands of people in the North shore for the Taylor Swift concert. Um, uh, and, and thank Christ he didn't have a run in with any of those hundreds of thousands of, of people uh, and everyone made it out of this incident, you know, safe and alive. Uh, but he was pulled off to the side of, to, into the middle of the road actually. And um, the police came and were like, Hey, uh, pull over to that spot and we'll help you with your tire. Um, and like he very visibly could not operate his vehicle, pull off to the side. So the cop threw on his lights, pulled him over, uh, field sobriety test and was like, yes, this is the drunkest guy alive. He blew a 0.21, which is uh, if you look at one of those um, blood alcohol, BAC charts is like nearing the point of passing out and needing to be hospitalized. Uh, and he had about 30 empties strewn throughout his car. When they talked to him and asked him where he thought he was, he thought he was in Central Ohio. Yeah, for a basketball camp. So he was at a, apparently at a basketball camp. And, and this, so not a ton of this is like confirmed, but just putting the pieces together. He was at a basketball camp in central Ohio, he started drinking while driving noted thing. You should never do. He made it. It sounds like he made it to, he was on his way back to Morgantown, made it to Washington PA around one He got to Washington PA and went to a Burger King in Washington PA. And then, so if, if you're coming back from Columbus, you you take 70. It takes you through Ohio, through Wheeling, West Virginia, to Washington. And then you can either take 79 north to Pittsburgh, 79 south to Wheeling, West Virginia. Or I'm sorry, Morgantown, West Virginia. He got confused. And uh, seven hours later, seven hours that he cannot account for, has no recollection of, he wandered his way into the downtown limits of the city of Pittsburgh. During like the worst time he could have wandered into 
the downtown city the, limits of Pittsburgh. The busiest the North Shore has possibly ever been Correct. in our lifetimes. So <laughs> he took a wrong turn and then drove around Western Pennsylvania drunk enough that he has no recollection of what happened for seven and a half hours. He cannot account for it until he was pulled over and arrested. That is, that is so terrifying, mind boggling, dangerous. I, it, it blows the mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so I think, First reaction, admittedly, was like, oh, he's leaving the Taylor Swift concert after yeah. drinking and getting hit with a DUI. Like, drunk driving, not funny, but like, situationally, Bob Huggins happening to him, kind of funny. And then it's like, all these details come out about just how inebriated he was. And, and it just gets way worse. And it gets, it got worse and worse and worse. And yeah, the it's just not a good situation all around. Um, like you said, dangerous, scary, mind-boggling to a, to a degree, and and there was still a question at the end of the day: Was West Virginia going to let him go? Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> um, we, um, I think we all thought like this has to be it, right? But the guy called in drunk to a Cincinnati radio station, and like like weeks ago. And used anti-Catholic and homophobic slurs, which are, are rarely can you knock out both of those groups at once. That's a that's a hell of a two for one deal. Um, and he was able to keep his job with like they, they cut his pay a little bit, suspension. three game suspension, uh, and, and said you know he'd he'd work on becoming more tolerant. So. He wasn't fired for for drunk slurs, but a couple weeks later, fired for drunk driving. Is this the greatest ball don't lie scenario in college sports history? I, I'd have to think so. Be hard pressed to beat it. I, I think both of those actions, in and of themselves, are probably fireable offenses. Are fireable offenses? Yes. Doubling them up within like six six week span that's all time that's all time so i it, it's crazy and it's been a hell i would hate to be a west virginia fan or booster or more like an administrator right now the a athletic player. director yeah yeah player one of the one of the many high level transfers they just landed yeah it's been a crazy six weeks in morgantown and man, this is he he just going out. I mean, Bob Huggins, one of the all time successful college basketball coaches, like take my pick goggles off for a second. Right. And like Bob Huggins is one of the great college basketball coaches of all time, one of the winningest coaches there has ever been. And he is going out with a a goodbye tour, probably unlike the one he was expecting to have. Yeah, and it spanned three states. And like yeah. 10 hours. Yeah. Just un- unbelievable. And uh, hope that there there can be some, maybe some look in the mirror type moment for him. Uh, hope, hope he can kind of figure things out. Hopefully the West Virginia administration 
can take a step back and uh and the fan base you know the fan i can already saw the fans on twitter playing victim to this saying pit fans are uh just coming out to get them like (laughs) come on now so that brings up two two things i wanted to touch on the first is um yeah so this is a this is objectively a sad thing and and you know we can we can get our, our jokes off but like one, we're very happy nobody got hurt. I mean, like we mentioned, 100,000 people in the tiny neighborhood that he was driving around um, on three wheels blacked out. And we're, we're very happy no one got hurt, including, you know, Coach Huggins himself. Um, and, and you know, we alcoholism is a disease. Uh, and, and we don't, you know, it's an addiction and we don't want to make light of that sort of thing. But it's, it's very hard to feel bad for someone who one is is uh, he's a bigot so so his comments from a couple weeks ago um if you're the kind of person that gets drunk and and uses that kind of language uh makes it harder for me to feel bad for you and then when you're the kind of person who drinks and then decides time for a multi-state and interstate joyride very hard to feel bad for you so I, I hope Coach Huggins, um, you know, in his retirement, which he was allowed to do on his own terms, uh, air quotes, um, he gets, you know, the help he needs. But also, like, that shitty behavior and you should not be employed in a high position when you do those sort of things. So I do not feel bad that he was let go. I don't feel bad that he's getting piled on a little bit. I, I do feel bad that we got to this situation in the first place because he was an institution and, and the people we know that know him speak highly of him as a, as a guy when he's sober. Just another reminder of college athletics and how these coaches a lot of times can be bigger, bigger than the universities themselves. Mm-hmm. Any other employee at the, at West Virginia probably canned after those comments six weeks ago, but successful basketball coach, successful football coach. Ah, we'll, we'll give him a pass, but yeah. Yeah. Overall, I think you summed up the situation pretty well. I think everyone has talked this situation to death. I think we can all agree. Uh, it played out. Luckily wasn't worse than it could have been, but at the end of the day, as a pit sports podcast, as pit fans, West Virginia's out of basketball coach. So it's very interesting and yeah. will be a very entertaining next few weeks to see how it plays out. What do you, uh, what do you make of the West Virginia response to these events? I, it doesn't surprise me. Do you mean the university or like the fan base? Both university. I do think they're in a tough spot because of the icon that is Bob Huggins and just how much people in West Virginia care about Bob Huggins. Right. Um, Letting him retire air quotes under his own terms is I honestly didn't see a huge problem with it. I think everyone can read between the lines and say like, obviously there was a conversation coach do this please. So we don't have to fire you, but um they probably could have came down on him a little harder six weeks ago, but once again, ball don't lie. Uh, the West Virginia fan base, <laughs> the, 
the message boards, there was an all-time message board geniuses that came out this out of this situation. A guy just yes. saying that the drunk driving policies were draconian and just a moneymaker. It shouldn't be illegal to drive drunk. Also stating that uh, the, I think the legal limit used to be 0.15, which I fact check. I don't know if that's true or not, but that it was l- lowered to 0.08, not out of s- any scientific reasoning but because it's a moneymaker. Yeah. But Huggins blew a point two one and could not stand up out of his driver's seat when they pulled him over. So he did not know what state he was in. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's, there are plenty of reasons why there, whatever he blew into that breathalyzer, he shouldn't have been driving, but yeah, there've been a lot of comments like that. Um, once again, People speak highly of Bob Huggins, who know the man, like you said, when he's sober. But there's a lot of people coming to his defense and just like still trying to give him another chance. Like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa why are we, Jesus why are we kicking him out the door? Bob Huggins. Right. Oh, he's 69 years old. Let him fit. Like, come on now. Let's uh, let's look past. But honestly, wouldn't expect too much else from that fan base. I was I was really fascinated by the initial reaction. So as we mentioned, we technically broke the news i don't think the way that we we were tipped off friday night um by someone in in law enforcement that like hey um my my partner pulled over or like they they knew the officer that pulled him over like bob huggins got arrested for dui tonight so uh dylan i believe you tweeted something like i'm sure bob huggins isn't getting a dui right now and if you sort Twitter, you know, oldest tweets to newest tweets. I believe it is the first mention of Bob Huggins getting a DUI Friday night or the second by like seconds. I think there was maybe someone listening to a police scanner. Um, I don't think, I don't know how much credit we get for that, but the first actual journalist to say like, we are hearing reports of this was a uh, friend of the show, Jack Hillgrove. And uh, I actually bumped into Jack two nights ago in Southside and talked to him about it. And he was like, yeah, my mentions are uh, not really something I can go through right now. Well, I'm going to go through them now after yeah, this he, episode. He got he got raked over the coals by West Virginia fans calling him Pit Boy, which I think is a great nickname, Jack. You You need to go by Pit Boy now that's it sounds like a like an oakland related superhero which you are um but uh but yeah so he he was the first you know person in media that isn't us to to really start talking about it and he naturally just got threatened with libel suits and called names and and all of this stuff um so the the initial response was bad even though i think well first of all bob huggins even if he didn't already have a DUI, which he does from 2004, I think the sentence Bob Huggins DUI would not be something that people should really jump to and be like, what slanderous bullshit you are making up. Like, you should probably wait for, you know, a a little bit more to come out before you say that this is an impossible thing. I got one here. Hey, pit boy, if you don't have confirmation, then don't tweet about rumors. Well, shove that rumor up your ass, Ben Booth show. 
Um, <laughs> That's our guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a all-time West Virginia Twitter guy. Uh, yeah, crazy response to this, everyone. We also had a classic uh, trying to confirm if this is the same Robert Huggins who resides in this oh. same place and is the same age. The the Dior Johnson defense. Correct. Yeah, we had a few of those floating around. Just a crazy, all-around crazy situation, crazy reaction. And it's probably going to be a crazy next couple of weeks um, in terms of just actual basketball talk here. Like, yeah. West Virginia had a flurry of transfers come in. They looked like they were going to be pretty competitive this year. It will be interesting to see. It's very late in the process for these transfers to say, oh, I'll, I'll start looking elsewhere. But if they're good basketball players and the portal's still open, they're still going to be teams willing to welcome them with open arms right. so it'll be interesting to see if these guys if there's a mass exodus if, if these guys stick around who west virginia grabs the coach it's late in the coaching cycle who can they pick up so it'll be a very interesting time in west virginia basketball world and we'll be following along and uh we got pretty much a free episode of content out of it yeah so. yeah yeah so i uh, something we'll we'll keep an eye on um but at at if if you didn't listen for the last 20 minutes, just, just know uh, that we can draw a direct line to uh, from Taylor Swift to the evaporation of West Virginia basketball as we know it. A little bit less direct than we thought, but um, there there's still lines to be drawn. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. So uh, a couple days ago, we tweeted a hypothetical out to all of you, the loyal sons of Pittsburgh. Um, and it, it it was about bar fights, right, Dylan? We, we, we had asked all of you, um, essentially, you know, you're, you're cornered in a bar fight and you can only have one or two Pitt Panthers past, present, uh, future, um, to, to back you up and get you out of that bar safely. And, and you guys all delivered. And I think that is a real testament to, um, not just how absolutely bored we all are right now in the dog days of summer, but how many bad dudes have come through this program. And it, it got such a response. I, I feel like it, it merits its own segment, right? I mean, we're bored. We're we're already, you know, kind of tilting right now from the the whole uh, Huggins situation. 
So this is just going to be a wholly unserious episode. Um, but we we wanted to expound on it a little bit and uh, and talk about which Panthers we would want backing us up, you know, should the, the rubber hit the road in a bar one night. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're, if a fight breaks out and you need to get outside to your Uber, not to your car to drive home, uh, to your Uber to get out, get home safely. And yeah, we just want to go what, like four on four, five, five V five of like our crew versus your crew or your crew versus my crew. Yeah, yeah, because um, it would have felt wrong doing a, a Mount Washington without Squid here today. So um, the way we're going to do this is uh, like like drafting teams in pickup. Dylan and I are going to get our starting five, and uh, we're going to let you, the listener, vote on which side is winning in a no-holds-bar bar fight. So uh, do we want to do the standard, like, First pick gets first pick, and then next pick gets next two, and then it's just back and forth from there. Yeah, one, two, one, 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 one. Yeah, okay. The classic one, two, one, 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 one. One, 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 one. Do you want first pick or you want next two? Your choice. Uh give me give me first pick, because I, I think I feel pretty pretty confident in this one. Go for it. Now now let's preface this. All of these guys are in their primes. Yes. Or they're at pit. Or they're prime at pit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go with that. Prime at pit. Um, and that's that's a very important distinction because my first pick is is no longer with us. So uh it's it's very important to to add the distinction that he is a twenty-two year old in this hypothetical. But uh Tony Saragusa, the goose. The goose. Yeah, Just you can't go wrong there. Bad man. That bad. is a bad, bad man. One of the replies to the tweets, I don't have the Twitter name up right now. I'm sorry, I'm not giving you credit. But uh, they said, it's got to be Goose. You'd be good with any of those guys. But the story you would have with Goose would just be way funnier to tell for the next 20 years <laughs> of your life. So I, I like that defense there. Yeah. Um, when you're a bad enough man that you play a bodyguard in The Sopranos for a couple episodes... That's that's just someone you want on your side. Also, an absolute mauler of a lineman. Yeah, I was gonna say if Tony Soprano trusted you to guard his back, uh, I think I, I think I'll take you too. Okay, so I get two here, and like there's so many good picks, but give me Aaron Donald just because he's Aaron Donald. He's turned out to be the baddest man to ever play in the NFL, right. and. I mean, he he's easily taking on two guys himself, a la the Duke play where he tackles the quarterback and the running back. So we're already... Or, or 99% of his NFL plays where he is at least double teamed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's at least taking down two guys with him. So I already feel good. We already have the upper hand. And then uh, give me Bill Fralick. Bill Fralick is just simply a mammoth of a human being, and he's just tossing dudes over the bar. Uh, also... He he had some experience wrestling at WrestleMania, I believe. Some some uh, WWE action, so probably some body slams, some suplexes off the bar top. I'll, I'll take those two with my first two. That's good. I, I'd like to counter the AD one um, because I mean, obviously, is in terms of physical specimens, 
there might not be a, a better one. Um, but as, as history shows, he's he's more of a peacemaker. Do you recall a year or two ago, he was accused of uh, beating up a dude pretty bad. I think, in, was it a bar in Pittsburgh? Um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it might have been in L.A. I don't really remember. But then the, the tape came out and he actually, like this dude was getting the Christ beaten out of him. And it was A.D. who jumped in the middle and uh, I think some of his friends were fighting the guy and, and broke it up and possibly saved the dude's life. So um, are you worried that AD is going to be too much of a peacekeeper in this situation? Honestly, if I am somehow involved in a bar fight with the 10 guys that we're going to select, maybe the best possible outcome is it just be getting it stopped before it, before it gets too bad. So I'll take that. I'll yeah, take neither, that. neither you nor I are surviving this hypothetical. Right. So yeah. if AD can keep it from spilling over into my section of the bar, then I'll take that. I'll take Fair. that risk. Okay. okay. Uh, next for me, um, this is a tough one. Uh, just because I think you'd take him next, George Aston. Oh, yeah, I wanted George. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, just a bulldog. Um the 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 widest neck in North America, uh, just a, a terrifying, terrifying man, puts his head down, gets the job done. And I, I I think you'd have to break every bone in his body to stop him to to get him to tap out. Yeah, I feel like at some point he would probably just run like through one of the walls to get to you if he needed, and. Mm-hmm. He's just a crazy, like you have to be a crazy person to play fullback in the first place, but to play fullback at the level he did at Pitt and some of the ways I saw him hit people while playing at Pitt. uh, Yeah, he's taking someone's head off their shoulders. Plain and simple. Absolutely. Great pick. Uh, I'm going to go next. I'm going to go with another guy who used to carry the rock a little bit. Pretty thick himself. Give me Ironhead Hayward. Damn it. I, we had a good bit of replies that are just like, it's Ironhead, not even close. What are you yes. guys thinking? Like, And I think there was also a story I've heard from his time at Pitt where he was on either a torn knee or a broken leg and a fight broke out and he was just he was just fight beating someone with his crutch. Like even on one leg, he was the baddest man in the in the establishment. Yeah, the <laughs> I was going to mention this at the end, but we as a response to this tweet, we were told a few stories um, of anecdotal evidence for uh, for some of these guys. We won't share a lot of them because a lot of these guys have like families and jobs now. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there there are some people who played for this program who I would not mess with. Yeah, Ironhead Hayward being one of them, and he who knows he you know his sons might show up and kick your ass afterwards so we, we we don't want any of that i don't want any part of any guy called Ironhead. right exactly yeah honestly george aston should have been iron neck iron neck aston yeah we're a little late on that one but hindsight 2020 all right you're up uh i love my fullbacks man give me henry hynoski Oh, I had him on here. Yeah, I think if you load up on fullbacks, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I mean, 
he was he was George Aston before George Aston was George Aston. And pretty successful NFL career too. Yeah. For, for a position that's more or less fallen out of popularity. Uh Henry Hynoski carved out a nice little career for himself being the baddest man on the field. So if you load up with fullbacks, anytime I have two fullbacks in my corner, I feel pretty safe. So good pick. Good pick. You sound a lot like uh like the offensive coordinator for Iowa right now. You sound like Brian Ferentz. Give me if I could put eleven fullbacks out there, I would. Yeah. Okay. Um that's a good pick. There's so many bad dudes on here. Give me yeah. give me Jabal Sheard. Okay. Because he's been known to throw a guy through a glass window in Southside. So uh, I'm just hoping he does that for me, too. And pretty good football player. Now, this this raises a question. Um, is this football only? No, I have, I have non-football players on my list as well. Oh, you do? Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I needed to hear to know that with this pick, I need to take DeWan Blair. Yep, he's on my list. 6'7", 280 pounds, 7'2". Like, you weren't, you weren't getting in there on him. His, his reach is too long. He is too tough. Um, he threw a 7'2 guy clean over his shoulder. Yeah, and like on accident. He wasn't even trying to throw that 7'2 guy over his shoulder. The guy just re- put his hand in the wrong place and... Almost had his arms snapped into into three thousand pieces. Dewan Blair is a bad mamma jamma, and like you said, the seven seven two seven three wingspan taking up a lot of room, throwing those elbows around. Just imagine Dewan Blair just holding the basketball and just swinging his elbows as hard as he can. He could have no killed guys. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't. Uh, yeah. Anyone going within three feet of Dewan Blair is getting their head taken off their shoulders by an elbow. Uh, how many guys are we at now? I got four here. I have four, yeah. Uh, there's so many guys that I feel like it'll just be flat out disrespectful to not take. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to have a good honorable mention list. Um, but you took a non-football player. I'll take a non-football player. Give me a friend of the show, Nino. Nino Bonacorsi. Oh, come on. National champion wrestler, undefeated. You kidding me? You don't think he's double-legging a few guys? Full Nelson? What do you mean, come on? Listen, I know know we didn't specify it, but taking a wrestler feels like cheating. Like, I'm not going to ask you to revoke it. It's just like, I'm a little upset. Maybe that I didn't think of it, but also that, like... Taking someone who actually does a combat sport feels like, while technically within the rules of the exercise, it doesn't feel like the spirit of the exercise. But no, you can have that one. I'll take him. So to round out my five, I have AD, Bill Freilich, Jabal Sheard, Ironhead Hayward, and Nino Bonacorsi. (sighs) Yeah, no, I I don't know if I can come back from the Nino one. Although he does not seem like a, a... bar fight type of dude i agree very very nice guy he might just be like he may just be walking by the establishment sees what's going on and just comes in maybe to play peacemaker 
but he sees he sees someone he knows needs some help. Double leg through the bar. See, but but you so you have a few too many peacemakers on your team. I which means I need to go heavy into like lunatics. Uh, and I'm I'm not saying that this guy is a lunatic. That'd be a very mean thing to call it a pit legend, but definitely a guy with ample amounts of dog inside of him. Give me Hugh Green with my last pick. Yeah, that was one I I kind of felt like I let slip away. I mean, nobody came close to blocking him at any point in his pit career. Um, he was arguably the greatest defensive end in the history of college sports. Uh, so I, I have a feeling that that could translate to this kind of situation. Yeah, I want absolutely nothing to do with Hugh Green. So uh, great value pick. Probably yeah. should have went higher. But OK, he, yeah. And he was on a Sports Illustrated cover that just said baddest cat in the game. So I think you might just win with that. One. That feels like a ringing endorsement. Um, but yeah, let's get some. uh Let's get some. Who, who's left on your board? So, got Mike Ditka, Al Quipatuff. Uh, I've got mm. Dave Brightus, former pit punter who went on to do some UFC fighting himself. Uh, Devin Danielson. I know he can take a hit to the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely falls into the unhinged territory of that plus he's he's got a family so he's got all the incentive in the world to uh you know get out of there in one piece. dad strength dad strength yeah very real thing yes um we we got some really interesting uh we got hb blades as well hb blades that was a good response um Freilich seems like he was the most mentioned but uh Jimbo Covert. Yeah. Cansey would be a menace. Uh, who else? Um, a lot of people alluding to Saragusa's ties to certain organizations. I'd, I don't know if there's any veracity to that or if he's just an Italian from like the 80s. But uh, <laughs> we're worth mentioning. Uh, a good one I liked was no one will see it coming, but Derek Kinder will take people out so I can escape. Alluding to his massive crackback block on Revis's mm-hmm. famous punt return in the brawl. Uh, Dennis Atia. Um, I had Lucas Kroll, just size and athleticism. I was going to say J.P. Holtz. Oh, that'd be a good one. There's a lot. Some bad men have played for the University of Pittsburgh. Elijah's ice. He'll come clean someone up. That one feels like a good pick because <laughs> there's like a little bit of, of realism to that one where like he goes he he's our boy. He goes on all our pit trips with us. And it is it is actually real life comforting to go somewhere with Zeiss, like in enemy territory and no like his existence significantly decreases the likelihood that any of these home fans are going to try us. So that one, that one feels near and dear to our hearts. So shout out dog soldier. 
I'll ride with you any day, Elijah. But yeah, so uh, we will we will post this to Twitter. Let us know uh, which which side is winning this melee, and uh, you know, let us know who we missed. Please welcome onto the show defensive tackle for your Pittsburgh Panthers, Tyler Bentley. Tyler, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing good. I appreciate you, David, having me on the show. I'm doing as well. Uh, it's a blessed opportunity to be here. We appreciate you. We love those big boys clogging up the middle of the line. That's what uh, what keeps Pitt's defense ferocious, and uh, you've you've been at it for a couple years now. Yeah, this is true. Since 2018, exactly. I was going to say more than a couple. You've, you've been around the block <laughs> for a while now, man. It's uh, So well, that can get us kind of right into it. Was there any chance you weren't coming back this year? Were you any chance you were going to hang it up and maybe just move forward with the next phase of things? Um, that was a question um, for me that I was really answered, you know, week one. I, I, I pretty much knew I was coming back, you know. I knew it was time for me to come back for my sixth year, come back with this team again, because I knew we have something special here. I knew that week one. And uh, with all that we accomplished winning the Sun Bowl, I, I just knew after that that we I have to come back with this unfinished business. Now, uh, obviously, elephant in the room. Uh, Kalijah Kansi was the big star on the defensive line last year, and there's no replacing a talent like that. But uh, how how much did that factor in your decision to come back to help, you know, fortify what is usually a strength of our team, but that was we knew was losing uh, kind of the star of the defense? Right. So that was that was huge. Um you know, I talked to other six-year guys as well, uh, Devin Daniels and, and David Green. And uh, we kind of all got together and like, hey, man, like, we could really do something special here. You know, if we come back and we just buy into each other and we, we do what we can and push back into the younger guys because they're up next. You know, so that's what we're doing now. Just trying to get an extra and pushing back into these guys. And with a guy like Elijah in the room, man, oh, my gosh. It's, it's going to be hard to replace him. But I think with the three guys we got in the middle, for sure, I know we got it, and we got young guys, you know, Sean Fitzsimmons, Elliot Donald, you know, DeAndre Jules as well. Guys that come in here and play, especially Isaiah Neal as well. Yeah, and you mentioned Devin and um, David in the middle there with you, both all three six-year guys. So you got a lot of experience. Um, how much of a role do you think you three take on as, like, leaders and mentors for those younger guys? Um, I would say that we're the rock in the room right now. Um, you know, you see guys struggle on the field, you know, going over plays, X, Y, and Z. We'll bring them aside afterwards and we'll set up a walkthrough on the cans and go through that. Or we'll go through the playbook, you know, in the meeting room afterwards. Just anything to help these young guys get a leg up in the competition because knowledge is power. And is that something that you guys, is that guys before you did that for you? Is that something that Coach Partridge tries to instill? Or is that just kind of the personalities that you three handle anyway? Um, it's just the culture in our D line room, man. It's just, it's just a, a thirsty environment for knowledge. Just guys just want to get better, getting coached by the best. Why would you not want to do extra? You know, guys coming in on Sundays, Mondays, you know, days off, and we coming in and working. So, what is the the Chuck Partridge secret sauce that has led to this culture? Obviously, the man is doing something impeccable both in the film study room and in recruitment and every phase of, you know, the, the program, what's, what's the secret to it? 
the secret to me, man, is just you got to be willing to buy in on everything. And uh, that's something I learned at a young age, you know. You know, you're young, you think you got it all, but you really don't have it. And as you as you begin to buy in, the your work ethic and your talent in the D-line room just increases. And then other players start to see it. And then guys flash. And that guys like Elijah, Rashad, Pat, Haba, and Dez, you know, they get picked, you know, and great things happen. So it, we, we touched on this before we started talking a little bit about the recruiting that's going on. It is recruiting season here. So it's official visit season. We're in recruiting mode. But I wanted to ask you, when you came on your OV and you were here visiting with Coach Partridge, with, with Coach Narduzzi, uh, what was it that they were selling you at that time? And what was it that really made you buy in to announce your commitment to Pitt? <laughs> That's actually pretty cool because uh, I actually hosted the Francis Brew recruit from Worthington, Ohio. Uh, he's actually committed. Okay. But um, I was okay. just preaching to him, man. You know, you really have to – you really have to just envision yourself here like on the university, on the campus, you know, and the thing that Pitt set apart different from all the universities that reached out to me was the people, the people on the campus, the people in the academic room, people up, you know, on the life skills, people just help you out, you know, and people that lean on you and actually truly buy into you once you buy into them. That's what set apart recruiting to me. They, uh, they coach you up on that pitch or are you making a making a move to take take a role on the staff because it kind of sounds like you you got a future in this recruiting thing man if if it happens it happens that'd be a blessing for me i love to i love it so what kind of role now do you play in recruitment you mentioned that you've uh You've been working very closely with uh, Francis, the defensive line recruit out of the Columbus area. Um, what what does your role, and I guess in a broader sense, um, you know the the uh, the crafty veterans' role in the recruitment process in June? It's interesting, you know. Um, you really try and show players the real. You know, you try and show them, you know. The guys, you know, the teammates you, you hang out with every day, where you're going to eat at, you know, where you can rest at. Had a chance to show the guys the dorms, you know, and how we live. And just being able to, I don't know, just being able to be out there and just, I don't know, I, I guess, uh, I don't know, mingle or lack thereof. Getting guys in front of people, you know, that they don't normally see every day, you know, but they're going to they're gonna live that same life. You know, getting the schedule and letting them see, like, hey, this is what it looks like. You know, X, Y, and Z, the facilities, you know, and then when we get extra work, what it looks like, guys doing it, you know, so they really see it. And we're not just talking about it. Yeah, and I think what you're saying there with showing these guys what the real and what it really is going to be like at Pitt, that does seem to be an overarching theme from the recruits when they do their interviews after they commit. It's just like they felt like they were – actually talk like the coaches they're talking to they're having real conversations with them the players it actually feels like family and none of that's really fabricated um have you always kind of felt that way about Pitt since you've been there yeah always and that's that was that's what sold me to Pitt you know first thing I did when I sat down sat down on coach Partridge and talked to him he was the only coach who really was like hey man like I'm gonna give you the best opportunity in the world to go to play in the NFL but you have to buy into me and I'll buy into you and no other coach told me that you know and then as long as you handle your stuff, I was able to handle my academics and get a degree, you know, in criminology. And it's just able to turn things around. So I'm buying trust in X, Y, and Z with Coach Partridge and the coaching staff. So it just, it just really helps, man, the people. 
I've heard that that's what it, uh, what's really unique about Coach Partridge's approach to recruiting is he will sit a recruit down and he doesn't always blow smoke at them. He'll he'll show them tape and be like, "You need to fix this. I will work on this with you." And that's kind of a rarity. Do you ever get to? Would it be rare for two players to sit down, you know, a, a veteran and a recruit to talk about tape and how a defense would be operated? Or do you, would you typically leave that to a coach partridge? We typically leave that to the coaches because, you know, there's kind of like a gray line between, you know, I guess calls and whatnot they can see on the film X, Y, and Z. So I leave yeah. it up to coaches. But uh, I actually was fortunate to see it, you know. And then Francis came back and told me, he's like, hey, Coach Partridge, show me your good plays. And he showed your bad plays too. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, man, he's, he's still learning, though. But Coach Park just handled that stuff, though. That's actually a really interesting point that I don't think I've ever considered because if you give a kid too much, you know, they could very easily, you know, call it out if they end up committing elsewhere and saying, like, oh, Pitt does – they call this and then the, the defensive lineman's stun is that there's a lot of <laughs> levels to recruitment, isn't there? Yeah, there's a whole bunch. There's so many, like – especially because you don't talk about it all the time, you know, you know, guys just even like in the recruits just changing in the locker room, doing their pictures, X, Y, and Z guys come in with the playbook sometimes and Hey, if you leave it by, you know, but thank God we have our personnel people in to come by and scoop it up, you know, but it's just, like, <laughs> you know, you never really know, man. <laughs> that would be quite the, quite the story if we found out that WVU, a recruit ended up just grabbing one of your playbooks out of your locker. Yeah, let's let's keep that tidied up in the locker room. I like to hear that the personnel guys are on that. Nobody is more secretive than football guys. Like the the mind games and fuckery. I don't like. You ever hear that story about uh, Mike Leach? I think when he was on staff at Oklahoma, dropped yeah. a fake play sheet on the field, knowing that their opponent was going to pick it up and pick it up. Yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> just that kind of stuff. Have you ever, what, what kind of mind games would you play during a game? If any, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I just got to think like, uh, so there's some games like, you know, like, you know, you, you find out a guy's got like a temper issue, you know, you're able to chirp at him a little bit before the, before the play starts and boom, you get him to jump off sides. Hey, <laughs> we got him, you know? But uh, always able to just, I don't know, man. Like, we're out there with guys, and we just, we just, we like, we're competitive, man. Every day in practice is so competitive, man. Guys getting a little scuffled, you know, one-on-one, 10 seconds, all right, we break it up. And then we're hugging the locker room, you know. But we get out there on the field against other people, and it is just, it's chaos, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, we had uh, we had Cradle on the show last week. Well, they did. I was I was on vacation, but he he spoke at length about um, kind of the battles that go on between the offensive line and the defensive line uh, in practice. What is what is that kind of relationship like? You guys have to go against each other every day, and your your teammates. But at the same time, you know, iron sharpens iron for a reason. You got to go at each other's throats. Yeah. Um. Ah. Man, for me, it's even crazier because I live with the whole offensive line. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, <laughs> you're in enemy territory. Enemy territory behind enemy lines. But uh, I would say that 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 environment that we bring, like, yeah, guys fight, yeah, we go at it every day. But like, it's either back and forth. Like the offense got the edge one day. Okay, we're gonna go and watch film, see what we can do to get in the next day. Boom, the defense will just shut them out. 
and we'll just go back and forth and back and forth. And guys get so much better doing that, you know, because you get the best pass rush in the game versus like best protection in the game, you know. So, is there a guy that you go against a lot? Oh my like, god! And, and I go perhaps... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was I was just saying, like a guy that you've really like, like he is your one on one most of the time. You guys have kind of built like an in practice rivalry. I would say I go against. Uh, I'd say I go against my roommate actually, uh, Blake Zabovic. Uh, dude's got a great shock, man. And it's like some of the shock you don't see from other guys across the country. And he just rolls off the ball like he's mad. And I'm like, man, if I can go against him every day, <laughs> I'll be great on game day, you know? Just uh, guys like uh, Blake Jabovic and uh, Ryan Jacoby, crazy. Even Ryan Bear, uh, Branson Taylor, and Mackensalvis, all those guys, man. They just come down and block it. And say, hey, man, sometimes you get blocked to the ground, but they'll come pick you up and say, hey, man, I love you, dog. <laughs> So what's it like having to room with a guy that you battle with? Like, are there ever days where, like, he gets a really good shot in, maybe maybe bruises you up a little bit, and you have to you have to share a bathroom with that dude? You have to you, yeah. you live in the same space. It's kind of it's kind of crazy because, like, you know, everybody like you know, and then eventually you'll joke about it. Like, you'll joke, we'll all be in the living room, like, hey man, like, what happened on that plate? Oh, like, oh, dude, I don't know. And then we're all joking, you know, shooting the shit with each other, but. uh it's kind of crazy, you know, because <laughs> I've gotten pancaked up like before. And he walked up and said, hey, man, get him next time. Like, as I'm going to the showers, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, it just it just depends, man. Like, it's it's awesome. It's, it's a great environment. Talked a little bit about that, like that iron sharpens iron aspect. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that permeates throughout the entire team. Um, what we always hear about the Pat Narduzzi's program at Pitt is how good the culture is. And like as outsiders, that that's like a buzzword that sounds great. Like, great, Pitt has a great culture. But as someone who's actually in it, uh, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And I guess how much has it changed since you first stepped on? I mean, you've been here a while, so I'm sure you've seen a good bit of transformation since you stepped on campus. Yeah, um, that culture change really, it really happened, I would say, like, after that 2019, like that 2019 season going into 2020, you know, I feel like everybody really just knew, like, okay, like we have the guys to do something special here, you know, and Coach Dews brought back into us, you know, upgrading the facility a little bit, you know, and there's and there's guys just we just all got together and like, all right, man, we could we could do this, you know, we could do this, and we just keep it our, we're gonna keep this the standard, the standard is the standard. It's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. So we just kept preaching that to guys, you know, even telling the recruits that. So when they get here, hey, man, it's not going to be easy. You know, everybody's going to have to work. Everybody's going to have to pick up a shovel and get to it. So just trying to ingrain that from the beginning, man, it just really changed us to a winning culture. Just walk around with your head held high like a champion, like a real pit man should, you know? I love that. Yeah, it, and once again, we're going back to, like, you guys are telling this to the recruits from the very beginning, and it feels like, college football can be a little slimy. Like you hear all the, all the stories, the recruiting stories, the transfer stories, but and like, Narduzzi is always quick to talk about it in the press too. Yeah. 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 He, he likes to push back on a little bit, but I mean, Pitt comparatively relatively to a lot of other power five programs, like a lot of guys don't transfer out. So it, it kind of shows that from the very beginning, guys, guys have a pretty good idea of like what the deal is, what you're supposed to do. Like what, like you said, like what gets tolerated, what doesn't. Um, so that's that's a pretty cool thing to see. 
it's just it's really interesting to see like how uh how some guys take it you know you know some guys leave for the first time you know get punished you like how how's he gonna take that punishment is he gonna say oh man it's bullshit is like, oh man i was late man let's let's go let's get this working and it's interesting to see like the guys who, who start between the line and the guys who leave you know it it just it is what it is some guys can some guys have to have a different program so not everybody's meant for pit you know but if pit wants you they want you they think you're a great fit So let's uh let's let's turn our attention to uh to the upcoming season. I I imagine you're as excited as uh as we are. Um I, I guess first question, how is the defense coming together? You guys are replacing a lot of veteran leadership. Um how how are the boys looking? Give it to us straight. Man, I, it's just oh my gosh. It's gonna be it's gonna be like a like a symphony, you know. To see things just come together, you know, the D line just breaking and having linebackers blowing through the line, and the DBs getting picks, man, and doing what they do. Got young guys stepping up in positions that need to be leaders coming over all across the field, across different positions too. It's just, it's going to be awesome, man. I'm really excited, I'm really excited for the season. Would you mind uh, naming names? Pitt fans' favorite thing in the entire world, and college football fans in general, I assume, is is hearing like, oh, that that you know redshirt sophomore that we haven't heard much about because he's a redshirt sophomore he's going to be unbelievable so do, can you can you name a couple names who should we be looking forward to especially on that d-line Ooh, big season from the d-line well especially your boy here <laughs> but not for me <laughs> Simmons. sean fitzsimmons is going to be a star man sean fitzsimmons Isaiah know these young guys are going to come in and play a little bit elliot donald's going to be up there too man and all these young guys are going to come in here and play and just be stars man I wouldn't count Deion Hayes or Nakai Johnson out either. This guy's man, guys working every day, ready to get extra. Sammy Okanola as well, somebody who's dedicated to his craft. You know, I love to see it. You know, if you go back to linebacking core, you got a uh, Shane Simon. He's going to be an upcoming senior, and he's ready to roll. Man, guys got the defense rolling, got the linebackers ready to go. They got Camaro is another guy, just a head hunter. It <laughs> just likes just likes to cause havoc, and I think that's going to be awesome. You got. MJ, Devonshire, you got Marquez and the safeties, you know, they're going to be locking stuff down back there, man. It, I think it's going to be, I think this is a year where things just truly just change, you know, and the culture truly flips and stays that way forever. Wow. That's even, you know, just two years removed from a ACC championship to hear that there is another gear for the program is, uh, is pretty exciting. What's also exciting is like most pit offensive line or defensive lines, you just named about six, seven guys in a rotation that are going to be significant contributors. What is it like to be part of such an eclectic, um, you know, group that our defensive line is, that is so capable of going, you know, four deep. It's, it's beautiful, man. Like, just being able to like, just being able to know that I can go five, six plays and run my hardest, and I could be dog tired coming on the field, and I know somebody else is going to come on the field. DeAndre Jules is going to run the field, and he's going to be straight, you know, and he's going to be cool because I know that we worked long nights on the board together working on these plays X, Y, and Z, and just being able to put that trust, that blind faith in your teammates, you know, is just beautiful, man, and I think that's why we gel so well and why we have over the past few years. And do you think that, I mean, obviously it is on paper, like that's a big part of the success, but do you guys keep that in the back of your mind 
not only you, but is that kind of reiterated throughout the room? Like, we have a bunch of guys who can go, so don't hold anything back. Yeah, and <laughs> and nobody's job is safe, man. Like, every day you got to go in and show that you're that dude. Because if not, some Coach Partridge will move you because things aren't permanent. Everything changes. The depth chart is the depth chart is forever fluid, and that's something that I learned as a young as a young kid. You know, and that's why you got to come in every day and be the same person and work and work and work. Yeah, because you started as a defensive end out in high school, right? Right. Correct. So I mean, it's really really fluid whether you know they they want to keep you out there or they want to you know, get you on the squat machine and, and bump you down in the line. So, you know, the, I, I I imagine that has to keep everybody on their toes. Oh, always, always. I never want to get too fat. <laughs> you know, don't get too skinny. You know? <laughs> but it, it's real cool to see, like, you know, guys when they come in, like DeAndre Jules came in as a defensive end. Like, I came in as a defensive tackle, but DeAndre Jules came in as a defensive end, and he got to be a little bit bigger, and now he's just throwing guys around. He's doing things that, you know, the coach is like, okay, well, we tapped in this different guy. Why do we need him at the end? We got him at D-tap, you know? And it's interesting to see the guys as they fall into different positions and where they're going to play at. So. I feel like I could be completely wrong here, but I feel like most guys want to play DN because, like, they're the pass rusher. They're the ones who put up the numbers. Is it, you think there's any type of a pushback from guys when Coach Partridge suggests, like, maybe let's move you down, down inside? Or do you think everyone's like, no, nah, I'm going to cuss? Oh, we, we can trust Coach P. Man, it just depends per guy, man. Because you got some guys who just, oh, dude, I don't want to do it with a double team. I don't want to do it with 500, <laughs> 600 pounds of guys. <laughs> like, who wants to do that? But you got some guys, you know, like, oh, man. I'm 290 pounds, but I can play defense in Dude, no, you can't. Not at, not at this level, dog. It's, it's just real cool to see, like, Coach B, like, have that moment, guys, like, in the meeting room. Like, hey, man, like, really? Like, he shows them on film, like, this this isn't going to get it done, dog. <laughs> yeah, you got to be a special kind of crazy to play D-tackle, I feel like, at this level. Oh, yeah. It's just – it's organized chaos, man. Like, I, there's nothing better than a double team. And there's nothing better than splitting a double team than getting a tackle for loss, you know? Oh, man. Sound like you're about ready to go. Oh, no. Nah. I'm I'm ready to go, man. I'm, <laughs> I want to play some football. You know me. Yeah, and we would very much like to watch you play some football. Honestly, the middle of June gets a little bit, a little bit daunting. Just always just running and it's hot outside. Yeah, it's just annoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that that for you, we aren't doing any running. We're we're mostly just kind of sitting around staring at a blank TV waiting for football to be on it. <laughs> That's the best part right there. But you wouldn't you enjoy the outdoors. You en- Oh, I love the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get get some running in. Um so you you have us about ready to to run through a wall. Um love hearing about all the young guys that uh that are stepping up and and you know the the next gear that's available for this uh this pit program um and and we appreciate your time and we will let you go but there is uh, a game we like to play with our uh our panthers um and and if you're down with it you know let, let's let's play on but it's called all out blitz basically mm-hmm. uh we will ask you rapid fire questions um some serious some not and you are free to answer them right off the top of your head. But if there is a good story, we love a good story. So feel free to take your time. We will go at your pace. Uh, does that sound like something you want to do? 
Let's do it. Perfect. All right. So first question, favorite Oakland establishment. Does the O still count? Yes, we will accept the O. I'll take the O then. That's my favorite. Follow-up question. How upset are you that some of the young guys that are coming in will never know what that was? They have no idea. Like, oh, my gosh. The fries, too. Just the big bag of fries and then the hot. Oh, my gosh. Man, they, they're missing it. And I don't know why they took it away. It sucks. I know. They're taking away all the all the old gems of Oakland. It's a, mm. It's been it's been a sad transformation. Um, next up, your favorite coach's quote. This can be from Coach Partridge, Coach Dews, anyone on the staff. The juice is worth the squeeze. From Coach Partridge. <laughs> so it's just like you know, everything you do, every little thing you do, is always worth. It's always it's just adding that bigger goal. It's always worth it. You know, it's always adding to that bucket. So every drop you every drop of juice you put in that cup, you know. It's always going to taste that much sweeter. It's always going to be worth it. That's why. <laughs> I love that. That fits in perfectly with the theme of like getting guys to buy in, you know, convincing them that their efforts, no matter how small, no matter how minor the detail is, is always worth, worth going. And I, I like that a lot. Um, dream NIL deal. Oh my gosh. Dream NIL deal. I would take I would take a I'll take a wing stop NIL deal. That'd be awesome. Free wings, you know. <laughs> that'd be hard. Trust me. It's just, I'd be able to take my O line roommates out too. That'd be awesome, man. <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be good. What 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 flavor? Oh, lemon pepper. For sure. That'd be a great one, especially because chicken wings are so expensive. Um, exactly. To gain access to an unlimited supply. So as a fat boy, I know. that's your dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get moved from defense vendor to defensive tackle. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. What's your favorite road venue you've played in in college? Nothing's better than Rocky Top, Tennessee. That was probably the best. That stadium, man. Oh my gosh, the cowbells. It's just so loud. You're good. Oh, Rocky Top. And you see Kenny Pickett just launch a 60 yard bomb and for touchdown. You know, you're like, ah, oh. there's nothing better than that, man. Yeah, we were there for that one. That was, that was an unbelievable college football experience. Oh my gosh, man. I, I just, I don't know how anybody couldn't want to do it, man. That is the best feeling in the world, coming out of the tunnel and everybody's just screaming at you. <laughs> yeah, we've asked a handful of guys, and Neelan gets named pretty much every time. That was a that was a yeah. special place for a football game, especially mm-hmm. when you leave a winner. Yeah. What is your favorite uniform combination? I, I'm... I'm a big fan of the blue on blue, man. I don't know what it is. I'd look like a big old blueberry out there, but it's it's awesome. I just, I don't know. I just feel so, I don't know. I just feel like I got the swag. I got the sauce when I got that blue on, you know? 
Very Dude, who, clean look. Very clean. Who are we talking about um, trying to convince Pitt to do a blue helmet with the all blue? Was that – that wasn't Dayon, was it? It might have been Dayon. I want to say it was Dayon. Yeah, we, we'd, be, we'd be real big fans of that. But, I mean, it must be sweet getting ready before every game on Saturday knowing you're about to step out in the cleanest uniforms in college football. Yeah, man. There's nothing better in the world. Nothing better. Who's on your pregame playlist? Pregame playlist? Let's see. I have – I got Meek Mill on there. You know, I get that Dreams and Nightmares in. Then I got uh, <laughs> I got some Lil Wayne on there, the Carter Five. Then I got some uh, – let's see. I got some Rio, the young OG, another Michigan rapper, you know. I got some I got some pretty good hits out there, but I asked the guys in the locker room, really, like, I hear the stuff they play. I'm like, Dude, what's that song, man? Like, that's a great song. And I downloaded it. I'm like, all right, man, I'll add to the playlist. <laughs> what has been your favorite moment at Pitt, both on the field and off? <sighs> well, let's see. My favorite moment had to be when the confetti was flying down. I guess you could consider that on the field, right? And then um, <laughs> I would have to say. What an ACC championship. Yeah, it counts. Yeah. And then I'd have to say my sophomore year, I did a belly flop in Arduzzi's pool. <laughs> it was crazy, man. It hurt so bad. But that, that, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Probably displaced a lot of water. Yeah, got it everywhere. <laughs> Do you guys have like a yearly pool party at, at Deuces? Yeah, it's actually, it was supposed to be Friday, but it's going to rain, so we got it on Monday. It's a great team-building exercise. Oh, we go paintballing, too. Who's the best yeah. paintballer on the team? Or better yet, who are you going after first? I might have to go after Blake. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best paintballer? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. Bengali was pretty good at paintball, man. That dude, he's he was sliding and stuff like it was wars on man. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good, man. That's real fun. Uh, that's probably the best team activity we had. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of seized up a little bit uh, when you said he was sliding all over the place because I'm just imagining our our star linebacker. Like pulling a hammy or something, playing paintball. We, I, Narduzzi would make sure nobody ever found out that's what happened. But like, that'd be that'd be brutal, almost as brutal as uh, Danielson very nearly giving himself a concussion with his own helmet. <laughs> hey, that was another confusing moment, man. I didn't know what was happening. I just because I ran off the field with him, and I just turned and saw him. I was like. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> he just turned back and said, and, and after the game, he was trending. <laughs> we were up three scores. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know what he was mad about. Oh, that was a Do great Do you know one. what he's mad about yet? Did you ever get the story of what he was, what made him so mad? He kept trying to explain how the call that he got wasn't the right call that he ran on the field, but it didn't matter. Like it didn't, we were already, we were going to win the game. So <laughs> I don't know what you were upset. Love the intensity though, you know? 
I mean, you can't ask when, for anything more. When when you're playing in Coral Gables, you got to run Miami into the ground. You have to. I hate Miami. Hate him. Not a fan. Yeah. Well, Tyler, we are just as excited as you are for this upcoming season. Thank you for uh, taking the time away from your preparations to uh, give us a couple minutes. Um, best of luck this season and hell to pit. Hell to pit. Thank you guys. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Thank you again to Tyler Bentley for joining us. Uh, very excited at the the progress of this uh, rebuilt pit defensive line going into the season. Sounds like the kids are going to be all right. Um, before we head out for the week uh, and into Pitt's final official visit weekend of uh, the official visit season, Dylan, I would love to hear any parting thoughts that you have. Yeah, I know we are going to get a lot more back into the recruiting scene next week, but there was a pretty big commit this this week. We got Cam Lindsay, Aliquippa linebacker commits, uh, four-star on rivals. Anytime you can get a guy from Aliquippa, that feels like a win, especially a big-time talent like Cam Lindsay. Uh, nephew of Brandon Lindsay, former Pitt player, all-Big East guy. Mm-hmm. So that's a big win. I think wasn't sure where he stood with Pitt up before his official visit, and I think the the coaches did a great job, uh, swayed him to come play for the Royal Blue and Gold. And, yeah, I think it's a big commit. I, any like, like I said, anytime you get a quip guy, but really solidifying that linebacker room, the upcoming linebacker classes. And I, I was hyped about it. I was super hyped about it. Yeah, not I mean, not just a four-star from Aliquippa, but a four-star who picked us over West Virginia and Penn State. Right. Um, uh, everybody loves to bitch up a storm when we miss out on a big local kid and they love to get on Narduzzi's ass about it. Well, every everyone who does that must now kiss the ring because, I mean, just listen to that sentence. A four-star linebacker from Aliquippa picked Pitt over West Virginia and Penn State. That sounds like an ad lib that we made up. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a big one and we'll uh, we'll talk more about the implications of that and the rest of the class uh next week once the dust settles from the uh June 22nd visits. Um my final thought, can I also steal Squid's final thought? Do one on behalf of him really briefly. Go. So um Squid's final thought that I'm assigning to him. Um nobody here gives a shit about royal family drama. Um, so bear with me for a second. But uh, Bill Simmons, who I guess is now like higher up on Spotify, uh, was talking some shit on Harry and, and Meghan Markle because I guess Spotify paid them like 20 mil and only got like 12 episodes out of them. And it's going to be like an issue. But a small detail of that that I thought was very relevant to us is apparently interviews that they would do uh they would have their assistants interview people and then have like Meghan Markle do voiceover to make it sound like she was the one asking the questions and that is the laziest shit i've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> like could you imagine us doing what what if we got like a minion like paid a college intern to just fire off a couple questions to 
Kyler Bentley or or Deion Hayes and then just dubbed over it. Like that is that is comically lazy. That almost sounds harder than just doing it ourselves. Right. These interviews take 30 minutes. Yeah. I don't think that's in the plans anytime soon, but you may no. have just given us an, an idea if, if things ever get rough for us. Yeah, or if we ever get so big, we can get away with it. But no, I just, as a professional podcaster, which we are, right. um, I, I read that right before this and was like, that is unbelievably hysterical. Um, and, and then my, uh, my final thought, I wanted to share a quick story. I was... I was on vacation. I was at a bar in Amsterdam and uh, I met this, this bartender from Poland, a uh, really good dude. And he was, he was like a huge fan of um, like Polish representation in the U S like very proud of it. Like um, we talked about how fun fact, Chicago has the second biggest Polish population in the world uh, behind only Poland's capital Warsaw which is crazy. And I was telling him like how Polish Pittsburgh is. We have Polish Hill, like the official food of Pittsburgh is, is pierogies. And he was, he was like really fired up about it. Like, like, but let's go. Those are my dogs. I was like, yeah, we actually love pierogies so much that um, we have them race at our baseball games. And then I realized like, this needs some context. I was like, so, so for starters, baseball, um, American sport really big in the sixties has been dying in popularity every day since. But, uh, when our team plays halfway through the game, we have people dressed up like pierogies and then they, they race around the field and it's a really big deal. And everybody in the city has their favorite pierogi. And, um, Oh, uh, also the, the pirate, the pirate parrot, our mascot is in love with one of the pierogies and helps uh, sway the competition in her favor. And, and so at this, this point, he was like, you're done. I'm cutting you off. He is. He's looking at me like I have six eyes. And I'm like, all right, hear me out. I pull up a picture of the pierogi race and he looks at these mascot pierogies and he looks at me and he goes, nothing you could have said could have prepared me for this. Did you just show him a picture or did you show him a video of them running around the track? I, I showed him a picture of them in action, which I, I I think got the point across, but he was like, he was incredulous for like minutes. Like he was just standing there, like hands behind his head, looking into the distance for like a couple minutes. Like, is <laughs> is the, the Pittsburgh pierogi race is objectively like the most insane bullshit ever. It's awesome. It's awesome. I still get giddy like a little kid when they're like, and here comes the pierogi race. Like I have to make sure I am locked in for the pierogi race. Who's your favorite pierogi? Hmm. Honestly, who there's a certain pierogi that they just don't let win. Like he hasn't won in like over a year. Is it Saul? Sauerkraut Saul? I mean, he's the mean one. You can tell by his the, the angry eyebrows. No. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie, I don't have that much of a of an allegiance towards any one pierogi, but if they start maybe taking some action on these races, I think that could that could sweeten the pot a little bit. Uh very degenerate of you, but I can appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big Oliver Onion guy. 
Um, okay. He's got the glasses, which makes him an underdog logically. So he's he's always been my guy ever since I was a little kid. Who did uh Randall Simon just like take his head off? Oh wait, no, that was that was that was one of the Milwaukee sausages. Oh right, right. Did you tell the guy about the Milwaukee sausage races? I, I mentioned that there were other variations of this, but this is the only one that involved uh, uh, Polish food. Fair, okay. Yeah, but he was he was pretty excited to hear about it, uh, it once he wrapped his his head around it. But uh, yeah, this guy this guy's gonna schedule or like plan a trip to Pittsburgh just to watch this this pierogi race. It'll last all of thirty seconds, and he'll but he'll it'll be worth every every we brought the tears. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that is all we have for you today. Uh, Dylan, would you like to take us out? Yep, I can do it. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Thanks for listening. And as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.